Uh, friends, as we celebrate Christmas together, uh, what I'd like to do is share a few thoughts on the song of Simeon uh, that comes from Luke chapter 2. Now, this song is popularly known by its Latin name, Nunc Dimittis, and traditionally, the song was used as an evening prayer in many traditions to close out the day. Now, it's a song that has captured the imagination of many Christians across uh, church history. Now, why is that, and why would I like to share from this particular passage on this day? Well, it's because as I think about what it means to live a life that is lived in light of the Christmas message, I can't think of a a portion of Scripture uh, that encapsulates what that looks like better than this one. And so let me read this passage for you, and I'll read from Luke chapter 2, and I'll read from verses 25 to 32, uh, just to give us a little bit of the context of the song Uh, before we dive into the passage. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 32. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Amen. Now, just to give us a little bit of context, this event took place uh, shortly after Jesus' birth, and what we see is that as it has been the custom, Joseph and Mary, uh, Jesus' parents, bring him to the temple to dedicate their firstborn child to God. And it was there that Simeon, who was moved by the Holy Spirit, takes him up into his arms and breaks out in praise. Now, what is the content of his praise? What does he say? He says, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Now why? He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Now this is where I want to pause for the rest of our short time together. Now what do we learn about what it means to live in light of the Christmas story from those words? In a word, it's this. To live in light of Christmas is to live out of the peace that comes from knowing that salvation has come. That salvation has come. See, Simeon has been waiting for what the consolation of Israel. And I love the choice of word there by Luke. He'd been waiting for the consolation. You know, Israel as a nation had gone through so much throughout its history. And more recently, it had been 500 years, half a millennia, since the last of the prophets spoke a word about what God was going to do. And during that time, Israel had seen empires rise and fall, and in the midst of all of that, they were being tossed back and forth, right, between different oppressors. Now imagine yourself as an Israelite. Here you were, a chosen people of God, and you had to endure the humiliation of being ruled by foreign rulers. And this has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. No wonder what Simeon was waiting for 
was the consolation of not just his people, but by extension himself. Now I wonder what kind of consolation all of us are waiting for. Maybe it's children. Maybe it has to do with children or relationships or just the general fatigue of what we had endured these past two years. That's what Simeon was waiting for, a consolation to come. But what does he say? He says, you are letting your servant depart in peace. He's saying quite literally, I'm ready to die in peace now. All is complete. And you know, that word peace, there's a world of meaning behind that word. But in short, the word peace, when it's used in the Bible, it's talking about a state of things where everything is just right, where everything is the way it's supposed to be, where everything is in harmony, working together for good. And so what he's essentially saying is that when I look back at my life, all of my triumphs, all of my defeats, all of my regrets and all of my accomplishments, right, every second of my life, every thread of my story has been leading up to this point. And with one look at this child Jesus, Simeon is able to say, all is well, right? My story is complete and I am made whole. My life makes sense now. Now, why is Simeon able to say this? Like we've seen before, he's able to say this because as he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Now, this statement of faith is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion, every other belief system in the world, And this statement of faith is what has the power to change everything about the way you live. See, every other religion and every other belief system really sets salvation into the future, the unknown, something to be accomplished, something to be attained. It tells us, be a good person, right? Be a moral person and you will be saved, Or the popular narrative goes, be a self-actualized person. Be someone who is true to oneself, and there you will find salvation. And you know, we all operate out of stories. And if you were to believe in these things, what does your life become? What does the story of your life become? It becomes a quest. And those who are courageous, uh, those who are bold, those who are skilled, maybe, right? Those are the ones who become successful. Those are the ones who uh, complete the quest. But do you see what comes with that? It comes with angst. It comes with pressure. It comes with weariness and stress. Why? Because it's all on you, right? The world is on your shoulders, where you are the one who has the pressure of having to be the hero of your own story. Everything rises and falls with what you do. So you better be careful what next steps you take. 
Because again, it all falls on you. But what does Simeon say? He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. He's saying salvation has come and my eyes have beheld that salvation. And that is the message of Christmas, right? And that is the message of Christianity. Salvation is not something that is out there to be attained and accomplished. Christmas tells us that salvation has come. Salvation can be seen. And that is the difference. Now, how does that change your life? Well, it changes absolutely everything. Because what Christianity tells us is that it is not for the courageous. Christianity is not for the bold, nor is it for the skilled. That's why in the economy of the gospel, worldly success is actually a hindrance to you coming to Jesus. Because Christianity says, you in yourself cannot attain these things. See, Christianity tells us that you are not the center of your world, or you are not the hero of your story. It tells us that Jesus is. It tells us that Jesus is the courageous one, that Jesus is the bold one, that Jesus is the skilled one, that Jesus is the God-man who wrestled sin and death into the grave and rose victorious. Right? Jesus is the hero of the story. And he is the one who completed the quest for you. And it is to him Christians submit to and give their lives to. And it is to him, uh, it is him that we confess with everything that we do. But here's the irony. If you are to trust in the hero who came to save and base your life around this hero, the promise of Christianity is that he will make us like him. He will make you into the hero that you were created to be. Now, here's what I mean. Every Christmas, uh, I make it a point to watch a movie. And it's a classic Christmas movie. And some of you who are on the younger side that are tuning in may not know about it, but you should all watch it. And it's a movie called uh, Die Hard. And I usually end up watching all four of them, and yes, there's four of them, Uh, but my favorite is obviously the first one. And the movie uh, centers around its protagonist named John McClane, who is a New York uh, NYPD officer, and he starts out, we see that his marriage is strained and strained, and he's uh, down on his luck, and through uh, various events, he finds himself in L.A., And by fighting off a bunch of terrorists, he ends up redeeming his marriage. But here's the thing. Almost as soon as we watch the villain, spoiler alert, by the way. Uh, As soon as we watch the villain, the brilliant Simon Gruber, right, to fall off the top of the Nakatomi Tower and all is well, basically the movie ends, right? All we see is John McClane and his wife, Holly, embracing. But that's about it. And that's how these action movies usually end. But I always ask myself, like, what happens after that? 
What happens after they embrace and they come back? Like, he must be a changed man after this, right? He, he, he gained a new appreciation for his wife. Like, how is he interacting with her, right? What, how is their marriage going to be restored after this, right? What does their happily ever after look like? Obviously, before, you know, Die Hard 2 begins, right? How is he changed by it? See, that's why I love the book Lord of the Rings, because in the Lord of the Rings, as many of you may know, uh, we get an extended epilogue where, where we see the hobbits, right? After having destroyed the ring, right, they come back to the Shire. And we know that at the beginning of the story that they were just kind of your run-of-the-mill normal hobbits before. But when they experience all that they had experienced, they come back changed. We see that after having completed this quest, we see that they are bold. They are courageous. They're leaders in their community because of all they experience, right? The kinds of things that used to bother them don't really bother them anymore. The kinds of things that would scare and confuse the other hobbits do nothing to them. Why? Because of all the things that they've gone through, they experienced the fires of Mordor. These little things in the Shire don't bother them anymore. And see, this is what happens to those who put their trust in Jesus, See, the Bible tells us that those who put their trust in Jesus are united to him in his death and in his resurrection. And what is more, the Bible tells us that once we are united to Jesus, all that is his becomes ours, including his triumph and his victory. And when you experience that for yourself, that'll change you. All of the hard-won things that Jesus had won through his life, death, and resurrection, becomes ours. His quest becomes ours, all by virtue of trusting in him. And when that quest becomes yours, it'll change you. You'll be free. There will be nothing that you fear. Right? The very gates of hell could not stand up to Jesus, and they certainly can't stand up against you. Right? The accusations of Satan won't be able to get to you. Why? Because God in Jesus Christ has already pronounced salvation over you. And this is not cheap grace. It was hard won by Jesus Christ, but it becomes ours simply by being united to him. And this is a salvation that Simeon saw it in the form of a baby. And that was enough for Simeon to say, my life is complete. I can now depart in peace. But we have here on this side of history what Simeon didn't have, don't we? We see Jesus not just in the form of a baby, but we see Jesus in his life. We see his ministry. We see his words. Right? We get to see Jesus stubbornly refusing to allow the cup of the wrath of God to pass from him. We see Jesus carrying the cross. And once he is hung up on the cross, refusing to get off of it, we see Jesus refusing to call down his legions of angels to deliver him. We see his perseverance. We see his courage. We see his bravery. We see his boldness. We see Jesus also triumph, triumphantly rising up out of the grave, 
Right? We see Jesus with his glorious resurrected body speaking words of encouragement, affirmation, and restoration to his scared disciples. We see Jesus being carried up into heaven with a promise to return. We see the Holy Spirit falling upon his disciples, empowering them to live courageously for the kingdom. See, what Simeon had seen that was enough for him to rest in peace, we see it a hundredfold and more. And friends, this is a message of Christmas, that salvation has come. Right? The battle has been won, and the quest is complete. You know, the story of your life, if you were to believe and trust in the story, ought not to be one of wondering if you have what it takes. Because you don't. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus did. And all that's left for you is to put your trust in Jesus. And once you do, he'll send you back. Once you've experienced the quest that Jesus went on, and that quest becomes yours, and all of the riches that he won for you has become yours, then Jesus will inevitably send you back to the shires of your life, if you will. You know, you'll be far more courageous bold, sacrificial, and loving than you ever thought possible. And this is what keeps our persecuted Christian brothers and sisters for gathering, to, uh, keeps them gathering for worship. This is what keeps them loving their neighbor even at the risk or at the cost of their lives. And this is what will keep our church together, virtual or in person, wherever we may be, Right, staying the course with the calling that God has given to us as a church. It is the message of the gospel that tells us that salvation has come. And the challenge that is given to all of us by Simeon is will you and I see the salvation? And with that being said, let me close with just one practical application uh, as we head into the new year. Right, how can we practically put into practice the message of Christmas as we've seen? How can we, like Simeon, right, continually look upon and see the salvation and see it play it out in our life? Well, we get it right from the text here. Right? Notice what Simeon says. Now you are letting your servant depart in peace, what? According to your word. See, it was God's word that came to him with the promise that he saw fulfilled this day. Right? It was God's word that gave him the eyes to see salvation when he came across it. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, it means that it's in God's word that we'll also develop eyes to see God's salvation. See, the Bible is not merely an ethics manual, a manual on how to live the good life, nor is it merely a theological treatise where we learn about who God is. There are certainly those things. But more than that, it's a coherent, right, single story of God's saving acts in human history. Right? That is a lens through which we ought to be reading the Bible. And so my exhortation to all of us today is for us to study it, right, to meditate on it, 
to linger over it and ask God to open up our eyes to see it, to see this salvation and the promise of Scripture by God's grace is that we will indeed find it. The Bible is not an easy book. Right? It takes a whole community wrestling through it together for us to understand it, for us to internalize it, and for us to live it out. But friends, when we commit to this, we will see the message of Christmas come alive. We will indeed see that salvation has come. And so with that, I pray that by God's grace and by the power of his Holy Spirit, that this will be true of our church, that we will see the salvation come alive in our hearts and in our lives to God's glory and for the good of the church and for the good of our neighbors around us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, God, we thank you for this day where we can come together as a church. God, we may be apart physically, but God, we thank you for gathering us together across time and space. God, you gather your people together. And so God, we thank you for your grace. And we thank you for the grace of the message of the gospel that tells us that salvation is not far off, that we need to attain it. God, we thank you that in your son Jesus, you have attained that salvation for us and that salvation has come. Simeon saw it in infant form in baby Jesus. But God, we see it in full as we, unfold, as we see the story of your son Jesus unfold through the gospels and beyond. And so God, give us eyes to see. Eyes to see the salvation that has come And may we see it come alive in our hearts and in our lives and in our community and the world around us by your grace. God, we thank you for this message of Christmas. And we give you all glory, honor, and praise, praying in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.